Hey, First Gen family. This is your host, Rich Two. This is a special series in this feed called First Gen Stay Home Edition. The mission is the same, sharing immigrant stories from the creative community, but in this new normal we're all experiencing. I'll be catching up with friends of the show as well as some new ones. Before we get to our guests, I encourage all of you to help support your frontline healthcare providers and donate to First Responders First, a fund dedicated to frontline healthcare providers serving during the coronavirus pandemic. And you can do that at help.firstrespondersfirst.co. Adam Garcia, what's up, brother? I rich too again. <laughs> I don't. There was some conversation happening before this, uh, before this start. So uh, for the listener, we we restarted it again. Me and Adam were just bullshitting on the mics right beforehand. Um, I see you fixed your necklace on the last call. It had tucked into your shirt, which means that you were self-aware enough to realize it wasn't showing, and you pulled it back out, which is very dope, uh, very rich too of you. <laughs> Yes, I am wearing a Scorpio necklace indoors with no plans to even step outside. So uh, thank you for calling that out. <laughs> and oh, I did make sure it was there. Yeah, this is kind of the new outdoors, though. Like, I know. It, how how yeah. often are you getting dressed for a Zoom call? Can you be honest about that? I I kind of I dress the same every day. I dressed. Um, like neutrally enough that it's what I wear out. Honestly, nothing's changed at all. I wear the same like half casual pants, you know, I don't like it like a complete slob. I'm usually wearing some sort of hat. Um, it's non-religious, a non-religious hat. Uh, also, I want to apologize. There's some laundry related noises happening behind me. So if you hear ambient sloshing, um, it's that and my girlfriend started right before she left the door. So oh, I'm so disappointed in you now. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, hold on. Do you have do you have a washer dryer in unit over in LA? We do. Yeah, we do. Ah, I miss that so much. I had that in Portland, but now here back in Brooklyn, we have to travel some floors, and occasionally we would have to step outside even for that stuff. It's such a slog. Yeah, it is. It is a slog. I decided. <clears throat> I decided that. I have some new criteria for new apartments. I've lived in many, many, many apartments in my life. My mom and I bounced around a ton when I was a kid. So there's just like a couple things. And I don't, I don't, I don't think it's like a privileged thing. I think it's like, I've, you know, it's like four decades on this planet. I want a washer and dryer in my apartment. <laughs> yeah, totally. I don't think it's a privileged thing either. I think it's yeah. just wh- where you live. It's more typical to have a washer and dryer in unit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Also, I don't drive. And um, we live in LA where the nearest laundromat is, you know, a seven mile walk or something like that. (laughs) But things are harder. You didn't drive in Portland either. That's so crazy to think about because you've lived in so many driving cities. And I didn't, I haven't owned a car in over a decade either. So yeah, that's interesting. Even in LA, you're not driving. Yeah, I did. I would love to see your car. I bet on the side it would have a gold detail that said like Scorpio, and it have <laughs> it have flames. It would for sure have flames. When I when I was in high school, I had a Jetta, I had a silver Jetta that we use everywhere, and then uh, I, I definitely clocked in six figure mileage on it for sure. And wow. then yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I clocked in at least one hundred sixty thousand miles on that thing personally. And then after that, it was just an inheritance of various other cars. I know I I inherited my sister's two-door 2003 Honda Civic. Oh, no, not Civic. I'm sorry, Honda Accord. It was dark blue, 
then clocked another like 60,000 miles on that thing and then um, moved to New York for undergrad. And then after that, just stopped using cars. Dude, the taxonomy of make models is so interesting. Like, yeah. like the uh, Accord, Civic, Tercel. The, it's just so fascinating. I remember like last year I was really into, I didn't know anything about cars, but I'm really interested in like the semantics of how people choose to market vehicles. <laughs> like, like what, yeah. is, what does Accord mean? What, and uh, I actually watched this video yesterday on Vox. Shout out Vox. Um, I love everything they do. All the like little short, uh, super informative, packed, dense, beautifully infographic, you know, little, little things. They did one on Harry Potter and um, the translations, the localization of Harry Potter all over the world. And how, so fascinating, how like, because Harry Potter is inherently British, J.K. Rowling has all these Britishisms, all these UK-based connotations with the words, with the references, with the names, with the accents, alliterations, like weird things in people's names, like Severus Snape has a certain sound to us. Not only is it alliterative, which is interesting, but like Severus sounds like sever. And it ends with mm. us, which has like a Latin component. So it, ha- so it has certain connotations. Snape sounds like snake. It sounds a little evil. It sounds a little uh, treacherous and slithery, you know? Slithery. Yeah. Um, but, but in different countries, they base it in that country. So suddenly, they have to, these people in the country, the publishing houses, have to totally deconstruct all that linguistic stuff and say, okay, well, if it's going to be alliterative, we can't do S's, so we're going to do these letters, but then the names have to change. So oh, wow. instead of relating to snake, it's going to relate to this other thing, like a toad, which to, our, to us is a little more, you know, they have to do that for everything. Wow. So I'll send you the link. Yeah, that's really cool. Wait, does, did J.K. Rowling or does J.K. Rowling have to approve all of those different translations and do those different publishing houses have to provide her context of those meanings? That's a question, Rich. Uh, technically, no, because, huh. um, yeah, so she, on, on many of them, because of like the publishing contractual clauses or whatever, she wasn't even used as a consultant. Mm. So but they're doing their best to contextualize Harry Potter for Japan and Malaysia and South Africa, da-da-da-da-da. Gotcha. Wow, that's cool. Uh, You're like the linguistic god. Seriously, like you are, every time I talk to you, I feel that I am learning so much within such a short amount of time. I've probably uh, picked up so many linguistic nuggets from you that I've just perpetuated over the course of my life since knowing you. That's cool. I'm definitely not the linguistic god. I'm, I, uh, I'm just incredibly fascinated. And uh, I'm as fascinated, if not more fascinated by language than I am by probably like visual culture. Yeah. And then you realize they're the exact same thing. Like, you did a uh, TED talk on language, though, and linguistics. Did you not? A TEDx talk. About, yeah, it was, it was uh, heavily founded in yeah, the idea of like embodied cognition. It's just, it's just like how, how we use design um, to create perspectives for other people mm. and solve problems. I think um, language foundationally, thinking about it philosophically and how it also grants perspective to others. So remember like when I was a teacher, a lot of that times I'd be like, well, you're using this word, but what if you use this word? And suddenly you could have been like, oh. And it's just that linguistic semantic perspective shift which is also what we're doing with visual culture. You know, right. what if instead of this and then people are like, oh, 
Right. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it always goes back to the, the crazy woe. But, okay, so let's just take it a couple steps back. First of all, <laughs> uh, happy belated birthday. You just turned 40. Yeah. Happy, happy birthday, brother. Um, uh, you're, you had the first Zoom dance party that I ever attended, so congrats on that. Shout out to Candy also for putting that together. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, and also, you are in LA, and we are, of course, in the middle of the pandemic. I just want to know a little bit of a vibes check on how you're doing, where you're at, where's your energy at, and how are you coping through all this? Yeah, sorry for completely derailing that intro. Um, <laughs> not at all if anything I, I, I uh, like, uh, the planet has been derailed what difference does this make yeah 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 shit's crazy um, I'm, I'm doing okay I mean I'm lucky I have a job and um, I have an apartment and I have a partner that I live with so I really kind of refuse to complain um, trying to figure out how to stay connected you know how to be creatively fulfilled and stay productive and balance energy and stay, have conversations with people. I'm like, um, again, like perspective. I, speaking of language, um, there's this site I go to all the time called Etym Online, which is the, the like definitive online etymological dictionary. This guy Douglas Harper started it in the early 2000s. Um, and uh, I was on it yesterday, and they have a complete section on, like, the language of what's happening, the language of our pandemic, our pandemic. And they talk about, it's kind of like this meandering route through all the words that we're using now. Like, these words that we didn't know that long ago, and now people are using, like, it's part of our language, you know? Social distancing is a concept that didn't really exist before a couple months ago. And now we've all said it multiple times a day. Like our, our realities have just shifted. And a lot of that is how language builds out and dimensionalizes our point of view in the world. And, and saying by words like the word crisis and the word, um, the word crisis itself, it actually has a medical history. Um, and it comes from a word that means a decision that needs to be made. And I think that's really interesting. And that's helped me a lot when I get to points where I feel like I'm just overridden or overwhelmed by anxiety. And I'm like, okay, you got to come out of this making choices or you have to make choices now to deal with how you feel. And I think on many levels, that is what this is about. For those of us that have the luxury to make choices on a small level, but also as a nation, as a society, as a community, like we have a lot of choices we're going to start making as business owners, as, as uh, patrons of businesses, as neighbors. Like, um, and we're faced with these really, really fast. And I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah, for sure. How has how has your life changed uh, over in Los Angeles, and also whatever you can say, but you are on the Apple Music team, um, and I know that obviously that's a large organization with its own like levels of of um, privacy. But what can you say about how your workflows changed, your life has changed um, locally and also on a workflow level? Yeah, I can't say much about that. We are, you know, we work from home. Um, it's an incredible organization, an incredible business that's been really great. Um, really great to its employees, uh, communicating a lot, which is amazing. Um, besides that, you know, like working on other projects with people and trying to stay connected, like doing pro bono work and mm. finding, um, finding other places to kind of fit in 
that that fill up those those needs have been pretty important and yeah. luckily we've been able to find and connect with some of that the ways that we can help totally uh, so I'm gonna make a sharp left turn here. Did you see the DJ premiere and RZA battle on IGTV? I want to know your opinions on these IG live battles. I know Teddy Riley and Babyface just had one last night. What's your vibe? What's your take? I want to know. I feel like I feel like I just slammed this centrifugal force slammed me against the door for that. Left <laughs> <turn>. <laughs> um, yeah, I did see the DJ premiere and RZA battle and aside from the tech issues up top because that was super annoying yeah I, I only saw like the last i only saw like the last half an hour because i was doing other stuff um i think i was like playing i think i was like live action or not live action but i do these like um role national role playing things so tabletop role playing so i run games for my friends through um house party and uh i was playing with anton and ian in portland new york and portland and when I got off, I had 72 text messages from a bunch of my friends <laughs> that are DJs. And they were just live, live texting about these two legendary producers, DJ yes. Premier and the, the, uh, the RZA from Wu-Tang Clan, obviously, both legendary producers. And if you're a 90s head, if you're into hip hop at all, like you'll know these cats and you'll know a bunch of, a bunch of their music and how uh, seminal they've been in hip hop. Um, it was funny because when I got on, it was like DJ Premier teaching the RZA how to, use, how to look at the comments, which is fair because it's age and it's access and those guys don't need to be on Instagram Live. And it's not necessarily because they're like in their 50s, it's yeah. because they don't have to and they've had incredible value, you know? So past that, uh, I don't know, man. Every everything just feels so radiant with meaning. With meaning, like so. Wait, who do you think won? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I only saw like the last little bit. So at this point, I'm like, do I like Premier or the Rizabet? Probably Primo. Yeah, for sure. Do you think these battles are even good? Because I remember I was watching it and I was thinking, man, is um, I'm kind of frustrated by the way this whole thing's going down, just from like the technological hurdles they were trying to get over. Yeah. But also at a certain point, they're just talking about the songs, and I'm cool with that. But I want to, I don't know. I'm, I'm I, I, for, musically speaking, if I want to hear like some sort of back and forth of just like where the music is. Uh, it is kind of brought down to like a reference. If it's reference versus reference versus reference versus reference, I'm kind of more sonically in like that quick cut, like girl talk type of approach. Do you know what I mean? I think, dude, I think that's where it comes down to giving context through words. When you say it's a battle, suddenly we're like, okay, it's going to be a competition. It's going to be dense. Song, 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 song. There's probably going to be some kind of rating system. Um, Mm. We'll all be a part of the conversation. But if you were like, it's going to be a music share and conversation between two legendary producers, then we all would have been primed for the kind of back and forth that we saw, which was conversation, which was talking about songs, which was yeah. RZA with his face in the camera trying to figure out how to use Instagram Live. And we would have, <laughs> yeah, we would have, uh, expectations would have set for us to, to been ready for that. And uh, I mean, that's just, I think that's just what words you, you choose, so. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, if, if you could have a choice of like what battles you want, you'd want to see or like whatever that was, what would you want to see? 
at being like a music expert such as yourself? I'm not a music expert, but I do have cats that I really like. I think <laughs> I consider I mean, you music. Well, first of all, let's let's unpack that because you do work at Apple Music, so you are you have some level of expertise. But also, you did put out an an album in in the early aughts. <laughs> yeah, I promise, putting out an album does not make you an expert. At <laughs> Ask anyone that heard it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I heard I heard someone say Pharrell versus Kanye, and I'm like, mm. that would be tight. Um, regardless of what you think of them as human beings, if you're just talking about song, 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 um, song, 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 song. Yeah, I gotta put my. <laughs> I love a good Cisco reference. How are, you, how are you doing? Oh man, I don't know how I'm doing. I mean, I'm dancing in my living room, so that's cool. I'm <laughs> haven't left the apartment in eight days for almost any reason. Uh, haven't picked up supplies in eight days, so that's interesting. Um. I was, yeah, yeah, for sure. So for the listener, Adam is, uh, he's looking at a plug right now. There's a mirror behind him so I can see what's happening in the frame. And uh, he just sat back down. <laughs> he's, right now he's changing his blocking. He's adjusting his blocking strategy in the Zoom call. And there we go. And now he's adjusting his hat, making sure. Yep, there we go. Oh, hold on. You might want to pause on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screen grab that one for the, uh, there we go. There we go. Hold on. That, we're taking the doing it in real time, folks. There we go. Boom. I've I've screen capped enough for an epic gif. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So you so you've been dancing a lot. I've been watching on the on the lot on the stories. They look great. Oh, I mean, am I looking great? I mean, honestly, give me give me like a the hot critique. Like I'm I'm doing it one for some level of cardio fitness because obviously my options are very limited right now. Um, but I am trying to do something where I'm trying to condense my sets now in 15 seconds so that they can live within the story within that 50 second um, limit, but also theoretically go to TikTok as well. If I want to try that and then have like, you know, have a different set of editing circumstances. And, but then I'd, I'll do other videos now where I'll just do, I'll do it for the story, but then I'll edit it in, in video leap where it'll just be, I'll do sets that are like little, where I'll just do pieces. So I'll be like, oh, here's like a little uh, ground piece. Here's like um, like a, a, a big movement piece. And then I'll just cut it up uh, into like a good 30 second or a 60 second bit that uh, that has all the pieces of, you know, top rock, floor work, and a freeze. But they'll just be, you know, all edited, hyper edited, if that makes any sense. Um, yes, that all sounds great. You know exactly what you're doing. You're very good at creating projects and sharing them and giving context actually um how do you is it jipong oh zipong zipong yeah yes so so uh i listened to the latest one you did with zipong oh yeah i love i love that human so much i want to just i want yeah it's so good you two should um, we should all like hang out <laughs> irl one day in the far future <laughs> yeah that sounds great i would just i would just ask some questions and listen and laugh um, <laughs> But uh, um, you asked Zipong something, and I've been thinking about it a lot. I actually had a conversation with Candy this morning about it. Um, you said something about content strategy, which is a word that we all know and use a lot, especially in the social, social world. Right. And the business that we're to, in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said it, um, you said it to Zipong, like, wh what is your content strategy? And, and I think that, for me, hearing that in the context of a person, 
versus an organization or like a business, I was like, oh shit. And it kind of changed how I thought about output because obviously we all have content strategy of some, in some sense as producers uh, uh, making visual things in the world and on Instagram or whatever, you know, like you have to think about like when you're posting stuff, how it looks. Um, and even if you're not super into it, you're still kind of like, um, hey, maybe I'll post something today. There's strategy in there, right? Uh, but when you said that, I was like, shit, I don't think about my stuff like that. I don't think about it uh, strategically like, okay, every Thursday I'm going to post this. And it's weird because like when I was a teacher, I would make my students have projects like that. Where it's like, okay, no, then you post this one time a day. Here's what it's about. Here's how you name it and title it. And here's what you say when you post it. And we would talk about it. Um, how's your content strategy? Like, how do you think about output in the yeah. time of coronavirus? No, for sure. No, that's actually a really interesting question. Because when I asked Zapong that, I did have those thoughts, but I, I, I brought it up to him because I, he's very reactive when it comes to his output, right? Especially when it comes to Instagram and the grid. And he was, you know, putting out reactive design-based output in the middle of a pandemic, um, but it still has that same level of exuberance you know, which is very much his personal brand and his, and his vibe that he puts out in general. Uh, for me, my content strategy has shifted where, you know, I'm starting to do this podcast and um, even strategically from this podcast perspective, I'm doing it through Zoom. It's not happening IRL and uh, I don't edit these as much. And it's really about uh, if I do any edit, it's just like tightening. So it's just tight, 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 tight um, because it's a single MP4 track. And I just put it out pretty quick. So I, I already have three more in the tank. And it's actually made my output so fast. Where last week I was able to put out six episodes of this when normally that would take me three months. Do you know what I mean? When you're still, when you're still competing for the ears of, of, uh, of a person in the same way, right? Because it's, it's still uh, being received in the exact same way. So, so now uh, after you, you're, you're my ninth. And my ninth recording of this podcast the stay home edition um in a week and a half which is pretty wild right um so so there's that um when it comes to my personal strategy now my my design content is more like in that kind of stay home kind of optimistic space which is kind of where a lot of my content likes to live and i want my content to live there so uh that's changed but now that's kind of bled into my professional world as well because i put out this piece um, so for the listener, I do work at Viacom CBS, um, specifically as their VP of digital design for MTV, VH1 CMT, blah, 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 all that shit. And then I did this illustration, um, that was dedicated to healthcare workers. Um, and then also from this desk that you're sitting, um, that I'm sitting at, I uh, designed the aesthetic for our alone together initiative along, alongside many partners, obviously, um, that's a large initiative on a corporate level that, you know, gets vetted through so many channels, but it really aesthetically originated at this desk. So a lot of that stuff, uh, I started bleeding into my personal life, into my personal thoughts about like the way I wanted to express my own feelings, thoughts, and emotions while we're in the pandemic. I did this illustration with these, uh, where I had uh, uh, several healthcare workers looking up to the right. Um, and, you know, I was very conscious about multiculturalism and also representing people and also kind of shining a light on, uh, on 
individuals that are heroes, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then that illustration catches wind with um, some of the other leaders of Viacom CBS, and then we're, they're just like, hey, why don't we just reuse that illustration um, for World Health Day? So then on World Health Day, we re- re- repurpose that whole thing, um, and then it just becomes like this wide um, piece that lives on across all of Viacom CBS channels, which is pretty wild. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I've learned, yeah, and I've learned so many things. Um, and it's it's different, I guess. I'd, I'd be curious to know what you think about it. But like, you've done work that's gone out, gone wide. That's that's lived. Like you've worked at Nike. You've you know, now working at Apple and working at every other place in between with these large clients. So you'll see something you did just sit in a big ecosystem, right? But then you won't necessarily have a personal attachment to it because you're, you're thinking I did that for them. But then that as a, as a place for me, it was like, oh, I did that originally for me, for them. Um, yeah. And then it became a thing that was for the other them being the corporate them, um, which obviously pay, pays my bills. And then that, yeah, it was like this interesting feedback loop. So um, yeah, to answer your question, like my strategy now is just like this, this intermingling space where I'm doing this, this podcast for me, for them, for you, you being the listener. And then I do my personal, my personal work for me, but then it's also become part of, uh, for them. And then anything in between like the dancing and all that stuff, that's just for me just to stay healthy and stay mentally sane. Um, but I try to do it with a sense of regularity so that, all those versions of myself and my creativity can still kind of exist. If that makes any sense. Like, what do you, what do you think? Well, I think I, I, a couple of things in there. Like, I think first of all, saying it's interesting saying like that idea and all that work was created at that desk because I think we've all realized that the desk doesn't matter anymore. Like rich created the work. And one thing that's changing is our point of view around where work happens and how work starts with individuals and yeah, their equipment, but it's not the tools. It's you and your brain. And, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, other thing like that happening, creating an image that caught on like wildfire is a testament also rich to you. Oh. Um, I mean, think about the factors, right? Like um, it was a, it was in a format that was very shareable. So that's one thing. Yes. But that, that doesn't mean anything when compared to the fact that it was um, something that hit at the right time with the right intention, with the right meaning and the right uh, clarity and simplicity and cl- you know, cl- clearness of message that people saw it and nothing exactly like that had been made yet. Honestly, since that was made, I've seen many things very similar to it, including covers of magazines. Like, it looks like they almost took that aesthetic and were like, okay, now let's make this, 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 because that kind of became a face of that movement before a lot of people were talking about healthcare workers. Right. And we're talking Um, about a matter of days, too. Like, really, like such a short microcosm of space. Yeah, absolutely. Which means that, like, um, you know, the way that you communicate uh, visually, because you always do, like very optimistic, very hopeful, very joyous, which is what this, this, these conversations are also about, I think. Um, when you have that energy and then you have it focused through a lens that you are able to focus it via what you do and your skills and experience, and then it hit at the right time on the right platform, um, it, it, of course, you know, of course it's going to happen. But, but the, you're like one of the only people that could really do that. Um, 
which is a testament why I say it's a testament to you. Oh, man. Oh. Dude, I, dude, I appreciate that, man. Oh, Adam, see, that's just why I love talking to you. Just not just not for a big up, but just because I think you're there's a similar energy of like good vibes and, and optimism. It makes you feel like there's there's light at the end of a tunnel. You know what I mean? If we choose to see it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. If we choose to see it. Oh, that might be the name of an episode. Uh well how do, how has your strategy changed? Like what do you have do you have a personal strategy when it comes to that? Because like I know that you put out a lot of content too and also you're a dancer too. Anyone that listened to the last episode that we did together just heard a lot of uh B boy talk. <laughs> yeah. Inside b-boy ball um no i don't i wish i had more of a strategy right now i am I'm, i was working on some projects this is not strategy when it comes to like um personal presence having a day job that um you know i don't share a lot of the work from from my day job because we can't um but i love that work it's incredible uh incredible learnings etc um but uh, to stay connected, you know, working with like my friend Open Mike Eagle for his new album, which is incredibly personal to him. And um, it's an incredible album. Um, I'm super happy to be working with that, uh, working on that with him. Um, doing stuff with like Black Milk out of Detroit still, who I was always kind of been working with for the last seven years. Um, Howard University, which is, uh, uh, you know, it's a historically black college yeah there they have, they have a legendary uh, black college yeah they have a, a literary arts magazine and um i've been working with them pro bono on the kind of masthead and look and feel of the covers so that's launching soon oh yeah well, actually for the listener too you designed the the bhm logo for nike that they've continued to use yeah did not do the logo no that that monogram um was given to us that was legacy well, oh okay okay at the studio that he's threw on the pressure, we did um, we we did a custom typeface for them, which was it was me and Anton Pearson at the pressure. Yeah, we did a custom variable, not variable, uh, custom like typeface system for them with like uh, interchanging letters, not fully variable, but uh, but they're still using that, and they've been using it for a lot of different stuff at Nike, which is pretty cool for like the last five years. Yeah, I was the voice of um, the Black History Month marketing video though, and. In, in, back in the day in 2015 which was oh really cool. wow yeah. i'm not i'm not black for the <laughs> listener but but uh we were working with you know we were working with an internal team there i was african-american and at the end of the day we went in and we had four people read and i was directing everyone to read and then they listened to everyone else i was the only non-black person that read and at the end of the day they just picked mine um so that was cool. All right, there you go. Well, yeah, I, I think your voice probably has a, a specific timber to it that probably sounded good in, in the eardrums to somebody. Yeah, I think the important thing was certain things like it had to, it was, the, it had to be like confident and rhythmic. It had to hit these certain things, but it was never about race. So if you look at like the brief, I think they were like, this one works best for that, um, which is, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> as we're winding down, damn, I can't believe it's actually already almost, uh, time up on the zoom call. Pretty wild. Uh, what are, what are you doing right now to stay mentally sane? Where is this? Where is the sanity check for Adam R. Garcia right now? Man, you know what I just learned yesterday <laughs> when I was, I was reading, I was reading about the words of Corona 
uh, the coronavirus in our era right now. And one of them was the word sanitized and how the words to have something sanitized and the word sanity actually have the exact same root and it comes from sane. Sane in like body, mind, spirit. The word sanitized and sanity historically meant the same thing, which is really interesting. Um, how we think of cleanness versus how we think of um, mental clarity, acuity, whatever. Um, anyway, I've been, uh, my days are usually like trying to balance input and output. So um, I've been drawing all the time. I'm working on a bunch of projects. And then um, a lot of the drawings that I've been doing have been very, very meditative. And it, as of like a couple of days ago, I started drawing these really dense, packed, totem-like sculptures, and I've drawn hundreds of them. I've, I was drawing while we were talking. Um, so that keeps me thinking about things as I process. And then, uh, and then I've just, I, I love having the time to go down like educational internet wormholes. So whether it's linguistic, I joined a flag uh, association two weeks ago. I just a flag association? Yeah, I was like, what's that mean? Like, so, so like a week and a half ago, it's like a Monday or something, and I'm like, I was looking at a flag, and I was like, what flag is that? And then I was like, how come I don't know any flag, any world flags of any countries except for like seven or something? Mm. And I was like, what if I tried to learn all of them in by like Wednesday? So, um, so by Wednesday, I learned. 255 flags, like had them all down. Just, I did quizzes every spare moment I had. I was doing all these different quizzes and learning a lot about countries, learning about, a lot about symbolism. And then I learned that there's this organization called NAVA, North, North American Vexillological Association. So I joined it and then they sent me all these books on like history of flags, what a good flag is, uh, three different publications they do, Vexillum and Raven and this other one. Wait, do you, have get, to, do you have to pay money to join this organization? Or is it more yeah, just like, like, hey, we're all stoked that someone's involved. Let's do it. Yeah, you, you have to pay money. It's, not, it's a very nominal fee. But once you pay the fee, every couple of days, my, my email is lit up with just like knowledge. And I have access to all of their databases of flag experts from all <laughs> over the world. So uh, I'm, I don't know, man. I've been, I'm, I don't really get bored ever because I find something to be interested in and I dive the fuck into it yeah but uh um yeah and then you know things like being informed is important but um it, it's really overwhelming all the time i heard a i heard a new term um doom scrolling what does that mean doom scrolling it's like before you go to bed if you choose to look at like apple news and you just scroll and you're just like uh, and then you try to sleep and you just have nightmares because of what the because of the news that's called doom scrolling just like scrolling and reading all the bad news that's happening oh, shit. Um, <laughs> that sounds awful. such a bummer i mean that's what that's kind of the world we live in um, yeah that's true that's very true yeah so to offset that i'm like all right what am i excited about what about what do i have to look forward to um what do you have I, to look forward to what are you excited about yeah um, uh, work projects um i'm working on a, a couple coloring books with different organizations that um, one of them is in Portland. It's like designing some pages for a coloring book that is raising money for um, foster kids that have been affected by everything going on. The other one uh, for another friend of mine, Michael Gunn in Minneapolis, that's a fundraiser for a food bank um, in the Twin Cities. Um, 
some of the album stuff, wiggling around with, with Candy, my partner. I mean, dancing, not. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, words, words know. and semantics. Man, I, I like, I will never have any shortage of stuff to be excited about because, I don't know, we, you know, we, we, we have access to everything um, via the internet. So Yeah. How many Dungeons and Dragons games do you have going on right now? I only have one. It's technically not D&D. It's a game called Numenera that I'm running, um, which means that they give you, they kind of give you the template for a world. And then I'm very interested in storytelling and, and world building and writing. And then I get to create the universe. So I'm also in my spare time learning about how to do character development and screenplays and like learning how to build a sense of mystery and hooks in, in a story. And then I'm take, turning around and applying all that to these live narrative sessions of having with my friends. So that keeps me pretty excited too. I'm like drawing characters and writing their backstories. And like, you know. <laughs> Yo, I love that. Okay. So, uh, couple last questions. You're someone who actually had a birthday in the quarantine, like a significant birthday in the quarantine, right? And also, Candy had a significant birthday in the quarantine. Actually, it was kind of funny because both of you sent us a very similar request to, I'm, pretty, I'm sure, like a, a, a wide uh, a, vi- a Venn diagram of a lot of overlap- overlapping individuals. And me and Allie yeah. were like, oh, wow, do these two... <laughs> I can't wait till they realize they both asked for the exact same type of uh, yeah. video. But what's the advice that you can give to someone who's having a birthday in the quarantine and how to celebrate in a way that's dope and and fun and enriching for the community, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Dope and fun are, are, I feel like that's easy because that's all about setting your own expectations, what you want. Um, uh, The other thing for the community, that's totally different. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, you had a big party. I was like, holy shit, they're at... There are like yeah. a lot of people in the Zoom call. Yeah, man, that was cool. Well, for one thing, I, I don't know, like um, we all have to find new ways to create rituals and find ways to celebrate in, in, in ways that are meaningful to us. Like um, everything's different. We don't have access to other human beings. So when you talk about a celebration, usually a celebration means other humans are there. And um, for us, it's virtual. You know, uh, these are our conversations now, or it's like yelling over your railing at someone or through a car window. <laughs> so it's like, um, you have to totally change your expectations of what celebration means. And, and um, for us, it was like, what can we do? For me, I was like, I don't care about my birthday, honestly. I don't want to anything. I don't want to do anything, partly because my girlfriends were four days later and I was so fixated on her shit being right. Um, what we did for hers was we like went and picked up food somewhere and came back and ate it at our house and had like a candlelight dinner with delicious food. And, and, and just part of it, the whole day was we were just like, um, you know, we would go up today and we're like, today's going to be special. And we went through a very rote day of doing the things we do every day. We just decided that we were going to be happier. And like, um, we decided that, we were going to hug each other more and smile more and um, almost like put on a different pair of glasses by which to see the day, even though nothing different really happened. And uh, it was, it was a fucking, it was a great day. Like her, her birthday that we just spent in our home was uh, fucking great. I'm like tearing up thinking about it because we, we just decided to try and happier. Um, 
in a time that's very overwhelming and anxiety ridden. And, uh, and our excuse was it's a celebration. Um, and I don't know if that's what we did. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> the other, yeah, the other thing with the Zoom call we did uh, for my birthday, she surprised me with a Zoom call where a bunch of people jumped out of tiny rectangles on a screen. And I was like, what happened? And it was dozens of people from now and from my past and best friends and some coworkers. Yeah. And it was like a who's uh, who in your life. Yeah, it was, like, it was like a guess who, like the game. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, who is that pixelated person down there? Yeah, but I think the thing there, man, it, it, was, it was interesting. I was so happy. And Justin Janak from Working Out Working took a shirt off. Yeah, Justin took a shirt off. It's a Zoom call. In a hot tub. Um, the thing for me was I realized that I'm so mediated by screens that sometimes when I'm talking to someone like this, I like forget that I'm talking to a person. And maybe that's why I just keep rambling. I'm just excited and forget that I'm on screen. Um, but, but seeing dozens of people in a Zoom call in these little boxes, looking in their computers, looking at each other, looking at me through the screen. There's just something there about mediation, like media theory shit, like McLuhan-esque. Like, yeah. what, is this, what does this mean? Um, communication is totally different. There's legs, uh, social cues. Like, like um, I remember reading about Converse, like the art of conversation and how like when I talk and you're nodding slowly that's called like a reinforcement mechanism you are via your body language telling me that you're listening and usually if we're in actual conversation in a, in a public place you'll be like yeah 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 cool 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 you give visual and verbal reinforcement but we realize that we can't do that in calls because as soon as you make that verbal reinforcement you fuck up the other person because of lag. So we're all now changing the way that we fundamentally communicate. And this is going to carry over with us post-quarantine. Like, yeah. we're going to be communicating different. Our body language is going to be different, probably. Our verbal cues are going to be different. Um, and it's really weird. I was staring at my screen just thinking about that the whole time. I'm just like, this is cool. What does this mean? And then I'm like, this is the first time we've all got to be together in a space, albeit a virtual space. I really don't want this to be about me. I want it to be about each other connecting. So now how do you create a relatively frictionless environment by which people in this virtual space can talk to one another? And I was like, let me create a game where I can prompt you. Hey, one of you guys say something. Who don't you know? You two have to say something to each other. That derailed quickly because everyone was like <laughs> drinking in their house. But, but I'm wondering how else we do that. Like how else do you create um, something like a conversational game, like social gathering, a mixer of sorts that doesn't feel forced, that feels organic and authentic in a virtual environment that we can actually be comfortable in because it was uncomfortable. Yeah, you know? it was. I don't know. Oh, anyway. that's really interesting. I, I think um, the other challenge of that too is that when you're on a Zoom call, everyone has a different view or when there's a large quantity of boxes in the, in the frame, everyone has a different view of what the order of the boxes are. Interesting. Yeah. So, and when we've run into it in a couple of uh, pieces of content that we've had to make for my day job, where you have a large uh, group of people, it's kind of like, um, you know, when you, I don't know if you saw the, the SNL episode from home 
when they had the first opening shot of all the cast members and every individual box was like pop 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 pop. Then you had like you know uh, you know Keenan says something, then Kate McKinnon says something, and and you know they kind of go through the standard cadence of or of, of what a cold open for SNL would be. Um, and I, I think that the other indicator might have to be some sort of or a next step for uh of working with within a large group in zoom might have to be some sort of like uh visual representation of what number you are on screen so that you know what order you can actually go in so you can set up like the rhythm and over and um make up for the lag but i think we're we're all learning that stuff as we go along yeah it's it's almost like a virtual version of like the talking stick or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a brilliant idea. It'd be interesting seeing how that could turn into like a piece of UI or how it could be turned into something that we use with, with practical effects in our screens. That's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Damn. We, we should probably, we should, we should offline about that and just like have a whole new content strategy for like all these media companies that are trying to like sort their shit out. All right. So uh, one last question. What are you sure. binging right now? Is there anything that you're watching right now to help you get through this? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know that it's helped. Yeah, no, it is helping us get through this. Um, I love, I think this is my favorite show, uh, right now, the show Dave on FXX Hulu. Um, Dave stars, uh, rapper and actor Lil Dicky. Oh, uh, yes, Dave, yes, yes. Very funny. He did a very famous Chris Brown video. Yes. Yeah, he did the, the video Earth, which was like one of the top, 10 most expensive music videos of all time. Anyway, this yeah. dude Dave is, uh, his real name is Dave, Dave Bird. He's incredibly talented. And um, initially I started watching it thinking it would be funny. And there's like some celebrity cameos. It's incredibly well-written. It's hilarious. The character development, uh, multidimensional characters that are, it's just fucking great. I, I highly suggest Dave. We've also been watching Devs. Um, we, we just started watching The Wire again. Just started rewatching it. Um, oh shit! Wow. Uh, we, got the, we got to the pilot. Okay. Um, <laughs> man, season four is such a bummer of that show with all the kids. That yeah. that shows. They're actually also. I don't know if you're a fan of Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons is uh, he ha- with the Ringer Network? They're doing another. They're doing a rewatchables of all the episodes of The Wire. It's really interesting. Oh, that's cool. Love to yeah. check that out. Yeah, and then like Dune, Dave Debs. Dune, <laughs> the book. <laughs> Are you excited about the new Dune movie? I am. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Gotcha. Well, uh, if you had to rank the two existing visual interpretations of Dune, there was the sci-fi Dune miniseries. There's also the Dune, right. the original Dune film with Kyle MacLachlan. Um, I would go the documentary and vision of Yodorowsky from Yodorowsky's Dune. Okay. Have no, I have, I have not seen the documentary. I know that Yodorowsky was originally supposed to do Dune, but then it didn't happen. Oh, you're about to have your uh, life changed. Go check the documentary out. It's one of my favorite documentaries ever. Okay. And it's not only about Yodorowsky as a visionary, but the, the, the cast and crew he's, he put together to create this film uh, right. is phenomenal and helped create much of what we know of like modern sci-fi cinema. Oh, interesting. And for the listener, uh, Yodorowsky was uh, very surreal. Um, he did El Topo. He also did Holy Mountain. He's, yeah, he his, his work is super trippy. You're at the Inkle uh, with Mobius. 
Swadoos. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Anyway. Well, I got to say, this is a dope conversation. Uh, it's been cool to catch up, man. We got to have these not on microphones again very, very soon. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Getting like really articulate and contextual with everything. I like, want to just rap. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, where can the listeners find you? And also, is there anything else that's coming up for you that you want to throw down? Um, yeah, I mean, probably Insta, uh, Instagram.com forward slash <laughs> Adam R. Garcia, um, Adam R. Garcia dot studio. Um, 612-309-9320 if you want. Give me, give me a call, leave a voice message, text me something nice. Uh, that sounds really, that sounds nice. Um, maybe a gif of some puppies rolling around in the lawn or something. Uh, um, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll, I'm uh, drawing a lot and I'll post some drawings. And when the stuff comes, when the stuff pops up with Howard or Mike, uh, Open Mike Eagle, um, I'll share some of that stuff and otherwise trying to stay sane and sanitized, you know? Sounds good, brother. Appreciate you, man. All right, Rich. Big virtual hug. Talk soon. Yeah. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find the First Generation Burden podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get podcast content. On social media, you can find us at at First Gen Burden, and you can find me at Rich underscore TU on various social media. If possible, please support your frontline healthcare workers by donating to First Responders First at help.firstrespondersfirst.co. Check this feed for more episodes. I hope you stay safe and stay healthy.